This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Glad you're here. Brad Thor is going to be joining us today. Oh! Uh, he was hit by a truck yesterday. Oh, no. really? Uh, yeah, driven uh, by friends. Which was oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> so he's been icing himself down, and he's going to be on uh, as we continue our conversation uh, with Brad Thor. Uh, he'll be on in just a little while. Stand by. Should I have the iron lung ready to wheel in? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think so. Soros is in the news today, paid Al, Gore's, uh, Al Gore millions of dollars to push for aggressive U.S. action on global warming. A, a story that will warm the hearts of so many people. Hey, leave Soros alone. Leave I, Soros alone. Right? Where was it? I first heard that. Oh, it's very, very sad. Um, okay. Now, forget Soros. Leave him alone. <laughs> we got... He's got enough problems. Mm-hmm. Right. She goes, what about Soros? Let's talk about somebody else. Sweet. Right. Okay. Uh, you don't want to talk about George Soros, by no. the way. A guy who has helped organize a, a new philanthropy uh, movement, the Black Lead Movement Fund, the BLMF. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a campaign raising $100 million for the Black Lives Coalition. Mm-hmm. $100 million dollars uh, i don't think the tea party ever got to a point where we raised 10 million dollars did we a hundred million dollars for people screaming burn the place down well, by the way well unless you're watching cnn then yeah. they don't they don't <laughs> call for that at all you'll have to hear peace. the audio in case you haven't heard the audio we'll play that for you coming up in just a second and an open letter to me from a very concerned listener. We begin there right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Let's let's start with the selective editing yet again from the mainstream media. Here is CNN's editing of Black Lives Matter and the riots uh, of uh, Milwaukee. And I want to start with first the raw audio, unedited, from the sister of the guy who was killed. And what you're going to hear, she's going to say, hey, don't burn our stuff down. We need our stuff. Don't burn our stuff down. Go out to the suburbs. Burn their stuff down. We need ours here. Listen. Burn it down, shit. Ain't gonna help nothing. Don't burn it down, shit. We need in our community. Take that shit to the suburbs. Take it to the suburbs. Burn that down. Burn that down. We need our weed. I don't wear it, but we need it. 
Okay, so don't burn our stuff. <laughs> Take it out to the suburbs burn and theirs. burn their stuff. Burn it all down. Here's how this was reported uh, on CNN. Smith's family and friends holding a vigil marked by prayers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. With his sister calling for peace. Don't bring the violence here and the ignorance here. With his, Milwaukee oh, police say they made, with his sister calling, calling for, for peace. peace. That is unbelievable. Take that stuff out to the suburbs. Burn that stuff down. That's cut that's out. A, that's, that's a nice that's call. Out. Because I heard, I saw that headline and assumed, okay, they just ran part of it without the full context. No, they're actually making oh. the opposite point. Yeah. So it's they crazy. apologized. Here's here's the thing. The, the reason why we're playing this today is they apologized. Regret. They regretted. Yes. Go yeah. ahead, read it. We, we, well, I think CNN we have to, regrets we the misleading edit in Milwaukee. Really. There is more than a misleading edit. Yeah, there's the they script. lie of a voiceover. Right. Yeah, they bad. scripted it, and it was taped where they said they called for peace. They didn't call for peace. This isn't a, 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 an unfortunate edit. Right. This is an intentional changing of the facts. And I don't care about your stupid apology. I want to know why you're doing what you do. That's what yeah, I want to know. Yeah. I, that's what people need to demand okay, so from the CNNs of the world. Here's why. Here's why. I, I truly believe. They're not covering and they're changing because this one, they know they don't have a leg to stand on. This one in Milwaukee is, okay. is absolutely... Don't have a leg to stand on. Right. And, but they believe in the cause of Black Lives Matter and the police are bad. And so they're covering this one. Yes. And th- this is a way for them to cover it and not let people know that it's bad. They're just like, it's, it's, they, they do this with socialism and communism all the time. Well, it just wasn't done right that time. It was just bad leadership. Mm-hmm. This one, they're just saying, well, this, just, this, this is a bad one. But. But it's good. It's really good. What they're trying Overall, to do is really good. good. The end right. result, well, you'll love it. Right. Which is and quite honestly, so. when you have George Soros and others raising $100 million for Black Lives Matter, $100 million, there's a lot of money and a lot of big names at play. And they all play in the same circles that these people have cocktail parties with. And when you see their manifesto. That's what drives me out of my mind. What about the manifest? Their manifesto is calling for Marxism, you know, all kinds of collective salvation things. It, it's Marxist all the way through it. And it has very little to do, it seems to me, with black lives mattering. Uh, and so that's what you're funding. You're funding a massive Marxist movement in this country. That's uh, with $100 million. So can I ask you... No. <laughs> can't ask me <laughs> did you just edit yourself i did wow that's impressive it's uh, that's happened three times in in human history with <laughs> so once they were caught though once while you're editing yourself once they were caught i just want to be sure that we're clear they regretted editing the second part of the statement oh, it's they not regretted that they okay. did the edit it's that they said a lie they they Holy wrote and then spoke and then recorded then edited that in right. and then put it on the air an a lie that they were calling for peace they were Absolutely. not calling for peace that piece was by the way that was not edited and then she looked at the tape and went oh well i've got to write the story they wrote the story and edited the audio around it right, right. And, and you know i don't know for sure obviously but that very well could have been the reporter having nothing to do with that I mean, uh, you know, that does have... Like Ever she, wrote that. Right. She could be. She could have just cut the lines and they pieced it yes, all together. Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, but, but she should know, as a reporter, should know what happened in that story. Not yes. to mention, that was not she obscure. Was 
And, and it was not obscure audio. Right. Oh, no, that was audio right. that went right. everywhere. It was all over talk radio, all over they the place. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. That's right. That's right. In that instance, they knew what they were doing. And yeah. the editor, he has the audio. If you come back and you're editing something and you've got the, if you got the audio pieces, the audio tracks from her, and then you're having to edit, you would bring it up the line and say, where do you want me to cut this? Right. And who knows? And then you would say, well, wait, but she's saying, I have to say she's calling for peace. That's, I mean, can somebody look at this? Because I don't think he understood the second half of what she was saying. They knew it. Right. Everyone, all of the fail safes knew it. That's a and bad they were, one. And, and they were fine with it. Kind of bizarre in this day and age that you just throw that out there anyway, because sure you're going to be discovered. Yes. Right? I yes. mean, you're not going to fool anybody. We're going to know that you li- that That's a report that just flat out lied but to you. But you have people. the same, I mean, nobody cares anymore. I guess that's. And, 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 that's and I want to say this on the other side, too. Nobody cares anymore about the truth. Yeah. That's- let, let me read this to you. Open letter. Glenn, I have listened to you for years. I have stood with you through CNN and Fox. I stood and defended you while a GM of a radio network when you were being uh, downed because of your Mormonism. Like it's a disease. I stood stood proudly with you when you supported Cruz. I supported the blaze. I reposted many of its articles. But how could you possibly claim to be standing on your principles while at the same time declaring for Hillary. Nobody. Oh, I forgot when you did. That was a big show. We, not a lot of people didn't. noticed that when you said you were declaring I for d- Hillary. No, I didn't declare Except for Hillary. Except for the a fact big... that uh, never happened. Yeah. Well, it didn't occur in reality. Listen, but... to, this, listen to this whole thing. Listen, you're not going to believe this. How can, you, how can you say you're standing by your principles while at the same time declaring for Hillary, which I never have, uh, that she is better than Trump, which I don't believe I ever said that. I think they're both nightmares. Really? I get it that you don't like Trump. You can't stand him. The reasons are many, and I've heard them all. But because of what you believe Trump might do, you're willing to throw your support, or at least your vote, or at least you'll argue for Hillary rather than Trump on your site no. daily. No, you've never done that. You've never done that. No. First of all, if you're talking about the blaze, I have absolutely nothing to do with the editorial of The Blaze. Blazes, but I've, 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 I've ever seen a pro-Hillary no. article on The Blaze. Yeah, I've never seen a pro-Hillary article on The on the Blaze. I see tons of pro-Trump on The Blaze. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Blaze pisses me off sometimes. So <laughs> I have zero to do with the editorial. And I did that purposefully. I do an opinion show News is news. And to be clear, period. though, however, you wouldn't, I mean, if there was positive news about Hillary, you wouldn't be editing it either. Uh, when she has good polls, I'm sure they cover that. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that is. We are not a, we are not an organ. Here's what I would, here's how I would involve myself. And I've involved myself one time. And I'm not going to get into details on it, but it had nothing to do with politics. One time I have inserted myself in the editorial process, and it was because a headline was grossly misleading for someone who doesn't like me or even agree with me. But I thought it was a hatchet job on this individual because the headline was clearly written for clicks. It took down an individual that I didn't think was fair. And quite honestly, they don't like me. 
And I inserted myself, and the newsroom went crazy because in five years, Glenn has never inserted himself. Is he going to start inserting himself? No. We just don't smear people, whether we like them or not. We don't do that for clicks. So one time I have inserted myself in five years at The Blaze. Once. And I will insert myself if we ever say we're an anti-Hillary, we're an anti-Trump, we're a pro-Cruz, we're a pro-this or that. We are not that. We are not that. We try to find the truth honestly, and we let the chips fall where they may. There's good things about this person. There's bad things about this person. Period. And that's what the problem is with news. Have you noticed? You watch one channel, and it's all pro-Hillary. You watch another, and it's all pro-Trump. You will not find a single bad story about Donald Trump on the Drudge Report. Ever. You won't find it. Ever. On Breitbart. You will never. Same thing. Never. On certain shows on other uh, networks, you will not ever find a bad story about Donald Trump. Ever. That's wrong. That's wrong. And the same thing with Hillary Clinton. You will never find bad stories on, on MSNBC about Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton. Ever. Sorry. Sorry. We don't do that. Now, I'll get back to the letter here in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Blinds.com. If your air conditioner could talk, it would say, I'm tired or I'm really expensive. Your air conditioner actually does speak to you once a month when you get the bill. Give your AC a rest. Save your money on your electric bill at Blinds.com. They'll walk you through the measuring and installation every step of the way with new solar shades from Blinds.com. They'll also give you a design consultation worth $200. It's absolutely free. 100% satisfaction guarantee, so there's no way you can get this wrong. And you'll get made-to-order custom blinds without paying the custom prices, but only online at Blinds.com. Tanya and I have used Blinds.com. Pat's used Blinds.com. Jeffy's, I mean, uh, Stu has used Blinds.com. Jeffy still just has bars in the window. Uh, but he's done in another, I think, 18 years, and he'll be able to leave that. 18 to 25. Facility. 18 to 25? All right. Well, anyway, now through the end of August, you can use the promo code BECK when you buy three blinds, and you get the fourth blind free. Go to blinds.com right now and use the promo code BECK. Buy three blinds, and your fourth blind is free through the end of the month, August 31st. Blinds.com, promo code BECK. Rules and restrictions do apply. It's blinds.com, promo code BECK. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com.
888-727-BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. An open letter to me. Because of what you believe Trump might do, you're willing to throw your support or at least your vote uh, and argue for Hillary over Trump. No, I never do any of that, but we'll get to that later. Um, you, you throw your principles behind the known of Hillary. Abortion support in an increase. Loss of the Second Amendment. Uh, she says she'll do the down under thing. The total progressive transformation of SCOTUS with Barack Obama as one of the judges. And most possibly, electing her will mean war with Russia. Okay, well, there's several things that you believe she will do. I can't talk about the things I believe Donald Trump will do, but you can talk about the things you believe it'll be war with Russia. I, too, believe it will be war with Russia with either of them. But that's a different story. Um, In your own words, Wednesday, if Hillary is elected, quote, America is doomed. So is that the... Sounds like a running endorsement, right? It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, really? Wait, what? I can't and I won't infect my eyes or ears with your constant Trump bashing and spoken support for Hillary anymore. I never have supported Hillary, nor will I ever support Hillary. And claim to be standing on your principles that you've pushed us, uh, that you've pushed out to us over the years. I'm not a hater. I've been a huge Glenn Beck fan for many years. I supported you against evangelicals. I'm just completely, unexplainedly confused. There's that Mormonism disease again. Uh, okay, I know. <laughs> I know. But he, uh, he sounds like a fan here towards the end. Yeah. Um, no one is suggesting Trump is another Ronald Reagan, not even close, um, that he doesn't have problems. He does. But we know what Hillary will do. Please, Glenn, help me. Try to act like you care about this loyal supporter. That's unfair, Buster. Is Dr. Buster Wilson. Totally unfair. I do care about all my listeners. But I am, I am to do and say what I believe, not what you believe or anybody else tells me or what focus groups tell us. I tell you what I believe. You may not like it, but I do care about every single listener. Help me understand how you can be so principled in the other direction and yet able to support Hillary. I am ah. not supporting Hillary. Now, Dr. Buster Wilson, he's a pastor, so I would imagine he's a pastor of, a, a, he's a doctor of divinity. So let me ask you this, Dr. Uh, Wilson, would you rather, because this next half hour we had a thing planned and I needed somebody to decide, we're going to put a baby in a blender or we're going to uh, take a baby and put him in a microwave. Which one do you choose? Now, you might say, I, don't, I wouldn't choose either of those. To which I will reply, why are you wasting your vote like that? <laughs> so you're for, I mean, because these guys want me to put the baby in the microwave. So by not saying put the baby in the blender, you're going to let me put the baby in the microwave? Is that what you're going to do? This is the kind of argument we're having right now. Mm -hmm. I think both of them are absolute nightmares. Both of them lead to the destruction of the United States. I happen to believe if we win the House and the Senate, which Donald Trump says he doesn't care about, If we win the House and the Senate, we have a chance of stopping Hillary Clinton at least for two years. They'll be called a do-nothing Congress after two years. But for two years, we at least have a chance of slowing her down. Now, I didn't think we were going to survive Barack Obama, but we did. 
And you know what? We're going to survive Donald Trump and we're going to survive Hillary Clinton. Either way, we're all going to be talking. Well, maybe we won't be talking, but we'll all be here. Well, I can't even say that either. (laughs) The country will still go on. May not be recognizable, but the country will still go on in four years. We can't look at what is right in front of us. We can't even look to the next four years. We need to start looking down towards our children. And you, I assume, is, you're a doctor of divinity. This is really disappointing coming from a doctor of divinity. Because at no point in any scripture are we taught to choose unrighteousness. And I'm sorry, no matter what you say, both of these people are absolutely, wholly unrighteous. There is no way that Jesus Christ would endorse either one of these guys, or quite frankly, almost any of the presidential candidates for the last hundred years. You can't tell me that he would be going, well, I've got these two. No, I don't believe he would choose either of those. We should choose righteousness and then by our behavior as a nation, expect divine providence to save us with firm reliance on divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our honor. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. We have a great um, piece of audio from the Olympics last night that must have been entirely frustrating for uh, for NBC, but we'll get to that here in just a second. Stu, tomorrow you're starting our look at the House and the Senate races. Uh, yeah, and the presidential election as well with the electoral votes looking at all the polls and where the races stand and where control of, uh, of everything uh, looks like it's going to you know wind up. Um, and so we'll be starting that on tomorrow's show and, and feature it throughout uh, the election season. Um, I mean, you know, whether, no matter who you think should win, I mean, obviously you're a big Hillary supporter, but whatever you think uh, should win, uh, we, I mean, it's important to know the stats and, and where it stands. And, yeah, and, uh, and I'm less interested in the, um, you know, the stats on that because I, I think m- what I feel we have to do is concentrate close to home and concentrate on the House and the Senate. We need strong constitutionalists, and you need to pay attention to the people that are close to home because that's where the next crop of people that we send to Washington usually will come from. Right, and and I think I completely agree that that's far more important in an election like this, but I still want to know what's going on, um, and I still want to, I mean, because it's difficult. You see the media, you're going to see some people uh, that run websites and go to run campaigns that are going to tell you there's landslides in one direction. You're going to see the mainstream media uh, that tells you there's a landslide in the other direction. What's the actual truth? I mean, I honestly, it, as you're talking about this, I, I think there. I agree with you completely that there that I, I don't like either candidate. Um, and, I, and it's an interesting perspective looking at an election like this because I think they're both horrible. So 
I can look at this honestly uh, with no dog in the fight at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just look at this as 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 an interested Mass. observer. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's an, I think that's a helpful perspective in a, in a situation like this. All right. Well, I want to introduce you to somebody. Uh, his name is Paul Blair. Um, he's a guy who's running for the uh, Senate seat in Oklahoma. The There's a runoff election coming up on Tuesday. Um, if you're just north of Oklahoma City in the Edmond area, um, Paul Blair, um, you might recognize the name. He was former player in the NFL. Uh, and now he's a pastor at the Fairview uh, Baptist Church in Edmond. He is one of the very few people that are running for any office that have the uh, endorsement of Ted Cruz. Um, he has Ted's. He has Jerry Boykin, uh, David Barton, Tom Coburn, Ken Cuccinelli. I mean, there's a lot of people pulling for him at the state level. Paul Blair for OK.com. Paul, welcome to the program. Glenn, it's always a pleasure to get a phone call from the Oval Office on a Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially this one. You don't want one from the other one. Uh, Absolutely. Paul, <clears throat> Paul um, uh, you are a guy that, and I had you on the show, I don't know, about six months ago. And you said, you know, I'm a pastor and, you know, I really believe and we teach the Constitution, uh, you know, at our church. And I said, really? And I handed you some chalk and I said, go ahead, teach one of the lessons. Thinking I could thinking I could trap you and uh, and trip you up. But you got up and taught about a 20 minute lesson Mm -hmm. on the Constitution. Why do you teach that at church? Well, our founding fathers understood the natural connection and natural law between civil liberty and religious liberty. And obviously the pastors in that day and age were considered experts on the subject of politics. And by definition in that era, your politics wasn't necessarily corrupt. Politics, by pure definition, means the art or science of governing or government. And if, in fact, God was the one that established the institution of civil government, then the Bible would have a lot to say about its proper function and limitations. And if pastors were, in fact, experts on things in the Scripture, then they should be experts in politics. And you go back originally, they were. You know, you think uh, you know, Roger Williams was a pastor, was the founder of Rhode Island. You know, Thomas Hooker was a pastor, was the founder of Connecticut. Uh, William Penn was a pastor, was the founder of Pennsylvania. We had pastors that served in the Continental Congress. You know, John Witherspoon, the president of Princeton, was a Presbyterian minister and was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, very influential member of our founding fathers. So we have... Uh, you know, Frederick Muhlenberg, who has a great story. He's a guy that originally didn't want to get very involved in politics until the uh, British came to New York and burned his church down. Then he got very politically active. But he wound up being elected to uh, the very first Congress under the Constitution and was actually the Speaker of the House that signed the uh, Bill of Rights. So uh, pastors at one time were experts on American civil government, understanding that America came from a Judeo-Christian foundation. In fact, that term in the Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature and nature's God, actually came from Sir William Blackstone and Blackstone's commentaries on law. It meant natural law meant the things that are observable in nature and the issues of what is considered right and wrong came from the pages of the Bible. So while all man has unalienable rights, according to our founding father's belief system, no man has a right to do wrong. But, uh, you know, that, so, so obviously pastors were heavily influential into the founding and formation of our country. And quite frankly, we need a good old-fashioned revival of common sense and morality if we're going to see a restoration of our country. Uh, it, th- that's one of the m- m- more eloquent and um, uh, uh, well-informed uh, monologues here on our <laughs> founding. When did you—have you always been like this, or did you— 
pick this up for some reason? When did you become so fascinated with the the history of the country? Well, you know, obviously, I had known of Dave David Barton long before we became friends, and, and uh, you know, being a pastor, I'm all I'm a student. I love to read. I love to research. And, uh, you know, Acts 17.11 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible where Paul praised the Bereans for the fact that they listened to him, but then they got in the Bible to make sure that he was correct. So I'm one of those people that I love to listen, but then I'm going to make sure that uh, what you said is true. So, you know, I, I began really studying this. Really, Glenn, it was back in about 2004. I'd only been pastoring about three years. And quite frankly, I was uh, just watching, uh, I was reviewing some sermon notes on a Sunday afternoon, and I saw a couple of television shows back-to-back. I I saw an old Andy Griffith show uh, back-to-back with a modern commercial for a modern television show, and it really just struck me. Uh, At the time, I was only about 40, but I was amazed at the incredible freefall in morality uh, that that happened in our country just in my short lifetime. And what, what, what hit me is, was, uh, well, Lord, you're coming soon, but what if the Lord doesn't come for another 20 or 25 years? You know, if the Lord Jesus returns today, then hallelujah. But if he doesn't come for another 25 or 50 years, what kind of America are my children going to be raising my grandchildren in? And what kind of America are my grandchildren going to be forced to raise my great-grandchildren in? Well, that's worth fighting for. You know, when I thought back in Scripture, it's never been left up to the media for cultural change. God never called on educators for cultural change. You go back uh, to to Genesis uh, 5, and you see that God raised up an Enoch to proclaim to the to his generation, to warn them of their ungodliness and, and challenge them to repent. You go through all the pages of Scripture. It's always been the pastors that were called to do so. And you go to America's history. It was the Great Awakening. You know, Jonathan Edwards, beginning in 1729, going all the way through through uh, Whitfield and into the 1770s. It was that great spiritual revival that really brought America together and prepared us for that signing of the Declaration of Independence. And then if it wasn't for the pastors of the Black Robe Regiment, there never would have been a, a war for independence. So, you know, I understand the, the, the effect that pastors can have on the culture we're supposed to have. You know, uh, John Adams once made the statement that uh, our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate for the government of any other. And a great preacher, Charles Finney, from the 1800s, who led in, in the fight against slavery, made the statement that if our, if our, basically, to summarize, if our politics ever goes to hell, the pastors are responsible for it. So, you know, I, I take that uh, seriously. And, okay. uh, you know, we're trying so, to engage and make a difference. And, you know, my section of the wall is here in the state of Oklahoma. I support my friends in Washington, and of course, Congressman Russell, Congressman Bridenstine, Senator Coburn, Senator Cruz, all these are great men, and uh, I certainly work with them and support them. But there are 12,000 lobbyists inside the Beltway. Uh, Nothing ever seems to change from inside Washington, and we keep looking at Washington to fix things. Generally, Washington's the cause of the problem. So recognizing that it was the states that created Washington to begin with, uh, I am hoping that uh, I can help strengthen the state of Oklahoma and that perhaps Oklahoma and Texas and North Carolina and Alabama and some of these stronger states can uh, resist the incredible overreach and tyranny that we're seeing uh, coming out of the Beltway. Okay, so Paul, um, I've got uh, two minutes. Let me just ask you yeah. this. Yeah. You are a big um, uh, uh, education guy. Yeah. Common Core, you believe, as I do and many of our listeners do, is mm-hmm. a nightmare. Common Core was hijacked. Um, it was kicked out of Oklahoma, and then the Republicans and the Democrats hijacked it. Even Democrats are financially supporting your opponent in this runoff. Right. And the teachers' unions are because right. he's pro-Common Core, 
you're not. But that's one of many reasons. The special interest came out. Uh, he received over $50,000 in funding from special interest just this quarter alone. Uh, and the reason being is they want to buy those people there in office. They don't want somebody that's going to stand up and do the right thing. So absolutely, uh, education is supposed to be between the parent and the teacher to train up that child. There is no place for the federal government to be involved anywhere. There's no place in the Constitution where they have the authority. And quite frankly, all they have done since LBJ first introduced the Elementary and Secondary Education Act in, in 1965 is make a, a bigger and bigger mess out of things. So, I, yeah, I absolutely want to lead in standing up and saying no to the overreach from D.C. and putting uh, education back in the classroom with the teachers and the parents. They're the ones that are accountable for educating our children. Paul, um, thank you so much for being on. Uh, the, the voting began today. Early voting began to get today. On Tuesday is the runoff election. Uh, if you want to get involved, Paul Blair for OK.com. Paul Blair for OK.com. Paul, thank you so much. Glenn, Pat, Stu, Jeffy, always good talking to you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Um, this is, wow. I know. He knows his stuff. Right? Uh, yeah, wow. that's why. I mean, and I handed him the chalk and, uh, you know, thinking he would do oh. something a little. Oh, no, wow. he went on for 20 minutes. He probably could have given deep. you a week's worth of shows. Oh, yeah. If you let him go. Oh, yeah. And, and he, that's, that's what he's Jeez. teaching at church. That's great. And I love that. I actually have some great. grocery shopping to do. I was hoping we could just ask him a question. I could get it done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these are the kinds of people that we need um, at the local and state. And, you know, oh. Hillary says, um, you know, she's going to do all these things. Well, you're not going to take some of these states down with you. You're just not. And if you have strong people at the state level and you have a strong House and a strong Senate... And rarely have we heard have a chance. Have we heard anybody stronger than Paul Blair? No, no, not on that. I wow, no. So Paul Blair for OK.com if you want to get involved. Uh, Let me tell you about. Do you? I do. Okay, good. Here's our uh, sponsor this half hour. You're thinking about getting a new home security system, but you're concerned about the cost. That's why Simply Safe has a solution for you. What is it? What's what's your solution? I bet it's probably let people like. Kind of come in when they want. Yeah, I hope you know, so. I mean, like a freedom. I know, let them let them walk so. in. You know what else is great? Take what they need is is then you lo- but you lock them into a three year kind of deal to oh. let people come into oh, your okay. house. Oh, that sounds good. After they've uh, clipped your wires. Yeah, yeah no. You know. There's no clipping of the wires because Simply Safe, their solution is wireless. Do they do that cool thing though oh. where they put the big holes in the wall because oh, I think that looks wire- actually again, pretty it's, nice. It's wireless again. Huh. So and and there's no contract, so nobody's locked in. At least they have good four or five digit per month rates. Uh, no, fourteen ninety five a month. That's four digits. Four. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, but there's, fortunately, there's a decimal between. Okay. <laughs> yeah, between them. For, for fourteen ninety nine a month, it's easy to install. There's no contract, and you own the system. For the protection we trust, go to simplysafebeck.com right now. Get ten percent off. Simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We're just talking about, uh, I'm in production for a new show that starts in um, September. 
uh, on The Blaze. It, it airs once a week, uh, and it is called um, His Story. Uh, like history, but it's his story. Um, and the sexism is just rampant. But um, the first one is on Edison. second one is on Tesla. Yesterday I recorded the third one, and it's on um, uh, the guy who is known as the devil of the white city, H.H. Holmes. Okay. Nobody really knows who this guy is. But I've never he, heard of him. Oh, it's just now. fascinating. That's un- we spent all day on this show yesterday. He, he, this is a guy... Uh, the, um, he, he's America's first serial killer, and he built a hotel for the World's Fair. He moved to Chicago because of all of the single women that were coming to the World's Fair. Twenty-six and a half million people through Chicago in one year, and they were everywhere. So he built a gigantic, like a block-long hotel um, in Chicago, and it was a mile away from the World's Fair. And so he would not take any men. He would, if, if you were a man, he wanted to check in the hotel. He'd say, I'm sorry, we're all full. You were a single woman. He took you. And he spent all day mm. just killing people. And he, he built this entire hotel with three contractors. The first contractor built part of it. Then the second, he fired them. The second contractor built the other part. Third one. Otherwise, if one contractor had the whole plans, they would know what he was building. He built... I believe the first gas chambers, he gassed people to death, and then he had a double-deck incinerator in his basement. Looks just like the Hitler ovens. He had body chutes on all of the floors and in several of the rooms. So he would kill you, and then he would stuff your body down a chute, and you you would either be put in lye and your body would dissolve, or he would incinerate the body. This guy, they think he killed upwards of 200, but they have no idea. It could have been thousands. They have no idea how many people uh, he killed. Because of him, the word psychotic was coined. It's a a fascinating story. It's an amazing story, and I'm glad you're doing a show on it, because it, it deserves to be a better, like there needs to be a real movie done about it. Oh my gosh! Like, I, it would be a horror been. movie. Yeah, there has no, been. It's, I, I tell you something. It, but... You just read it in the old timey newspapers, and it's horrifying. That it's horrifying what this guy did. And what's amazing is, right down at the end of the street, while he's building his hotel, um, Elias Disney was helping build the World Trade, uh, the, the uh, World Exposition, the uh, the World's Fair. Jeez. So, uh, right at the end of the street, a mile away amazing stuff is happening and it's called the white city because it's all white and lit up at night and a mile away darkness like america has never seen before we've never had a serial killer like this ever i don't know if the world has ever had he built a block long hotel just to kill people it's amazing the show debuts in mid-september this is the glenn beck program mercury All this week, 
We've been exploring the life of community organizer Saul Alinsky. Today, we're going to show you just how effective Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, was. It was so effective that Hillary Clinton, his protege, may just become the next president of the United States. We start the third installment of our serial on Alinsky right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Saul Alinsky, community organizer, author, and radical activist for social change in America, has had a profound and chilling effect on American society. He started his journey in organizing and activism with communists, learning some of the best agitating techniques from them, and then expanded and spread that knowledge to a new generation of American radicals who would eventually wind up in positions of great power in the United States. This series reached out to Stanley Kurtz, a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, who reminds us just how effective Alinsky's so-called rules for radicals are and have been. There's the most famous rule, uh, which is pick a target, freeze it, personalize it and polarize it and that is very widely used pick a target freeze it personalize it that part of it means you've got to find an enemy you've got to create a public enemy who has a face so to speak kurtz offers a recent example of this tactic for example think of the uh, the Koch brothers everybody knows the Koch brothers now you could you could have a giant public campaign against uh, rich Republican conservative donors. And to some degree, that actually happens. People talk about the so-called 1%. But even better than that is to give it a face and give it a name and make it seem the absolute quintessence of evil. And so that is what the Koch brothers supposedly are. Of course, the Koch brothers are just successful businessmen who are libertarians and care about American principles, but according to the left, they are the essence of evil and the symbol of, of what's wrong with Republicans. And, and so by turning this into a personal thing, uh, you really excite your base. Look at what Harry Reid did during the midterm elections. He continually attacked on the Senate floor the Koch brothers. And what was going on there? Well, uh, the uh, young people uh, who are so important a part of the Democratic coalition, the young people uh, are committed uh, to this fossil fuel divestment crusade. And they see the Koch brothers as symbols of uh, people who are destroying the environment and effectively uh, destroying the world. And Harry Reid wanted those young people to vote. Uh, the Democrats are in trouble unless those millennials and college students come out to vote. And they tend not to do that in the midterms. So you pick the target uh, and you make it the Koch brothers who put a personal face on everything that's bad in order to motivate your side uh, to come out. Kurtz continues. And of course, the last part of that rule is you polarize it. 
The idea isn't that we've got some people we can make a compromise with here. We've got to get people who are evil. We've got to make a giant up and down choice between good and evil, and that's what you do with your personal target, like the Koch brothers. So this is going on again and again uh, nowadays. It isn't just the Koch brothers. Uh, again, with Scott Walker, you saw the unions uh, try to turn him into a kind of symbol of Republican evil. So you, you see this famous rule going on all the time. This tactic has been so effective that the Koch brothers, who are no higher than 59th in political contributions, are widely believed to have bought and paid for every recent election in America. Alinsky's tactics have proven so successful that they have worked against some of the most powerful politicians in the country and, perhaps surprisingly, even when employed against Democrats, like Chicago Mayor Richard Daley. Alinsky put together a group called the Woodlawn Organization, or TWO, in the late 1950s to fight for the interest of black residents of the Woodlawn area of Chicago. From the documentary The Democratic Promise, Saul Alinsky and His Legacy. Uh, The problem was that at that time Woodlawn was um, deteriorating in certain areas where slum landlords were getting away with murder. Uh, And so we had uh, ready targets to hit. So we went in and we proceeded to find out what the issues are and then organize around that. Alinsky preached that power is built through issue campaigns that train leaders and prepare the organization for bigger fights. For TWO, that opportunity came when the state declared Chicago's voter rolls corrupt, forcing the entire city to re-register. It was a somewhat rare case of progressives eating their own. But such was the corruption of the Daley administration in Chicago. It's also interesting that in 2016, Democrats act as if asking someone to bring an ID with them to the voting booth is akin to bringing back slavery. To them, it's racist and suppressing the vote. But in the early 1960s, the entire city of Chicago had to go through the disenfranchising hassle of re-registering in order to be able to exercise their voting rights. And it was the darling of the left, Saul Alinsky, who forced that decision from the Illinois governor with his tactics. Alinsky himself was unapologetic about the controversial tactics he used. His belief was that the ends justify the means. And in 1967, on William F. Buckley's TV show, Firing Line, Buckley confronted him about the tactics he employed. You actually want to organize the poor and you want to cause them to demand things. And you seem to be utterly uh, either unconscious or if not unconscious, at least insensible to uh, the normal niceties of approach. When you want something, you simply want it. That isn't my want. Well, when you figure out they want it, yeah. Now, uh, for instance, uh, you were perfectly prepared, as I understand it, to close down City Hall a while ago in Chicago. Just send wave after wave of people there just to close it down. Make it impossible for the mayor to go in or the mayor to go out or the sheriff to go in the sheriff to go out. And I've been involved in so many of these things, I'm trying to remember what that, was, that was. Woodlawn, yeah. And you were perfectly prepared to cause a tremendous amount of commotion out in the suburban areas where 
landlords live, so as to force the neighbors, as you put it, themselves to put pressure on the delinquent landlords to make those reforms. Well, I was pure pragmatism. That says, those people only do the right things for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> and I wanted to get the white neighbors to put the pressure on their white slum landlord in order to get rid of the Negro pickets that were in the that were in the community. They weren't yeah. doing it for yeah. uh, equality. Yeah. Buckley Press. That that once once again it seems to me that you obtrude into the discussion your own essential uh, uh, cynicism. That's not cynicism. That's realism. No, Buckley, it isn't. That, oh, no, it isn't. Come on. No, I know a lot of people do things they don't want to do at all, and they do them simply because they think it's the right thing to do. Uh, I'll introduce you to some if you like um, uh, later on. Are they all conservative? <clears throat> no, they're of every stripe. A lot of them are liberals. Some of them are radicals. Some of them are communists. Then, in this meeting of the minds, Buckley used Alinsky's own words against him. Uh, can I quote you exactly? Quote, There is no evolution without revolution, and there are no revolutions without conflict, and this is the line which separates liberals from radicals. Where'd you get that from? Harper's. All right. I'll show it to you if you like. No, I'll, the, uh, I'll buy it. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, do, 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 isn't this once again one more expression of your belief that uh, what progress is made is made by some sort of a Hegelian sense of controversy, conflict, antithesis, and so on. Uh, you, you just finished discussing the fact yeah. that there exists in Chicago now something that is substantially better than was there five, six years ago. Yeah. And then you say, uh, don't you understand the reason it came into being was because of the Woodlawn uh, operation. And sure, the Woodlawn operation involved conflict. It necessarily had to. And I'm asking whether or not progress can't be made without... Uh, no, I, I don't believe so. I, I think that the most insidious, the most subversive uh, force that has ever entered the American scene has been what I would call Madison Avenue public relations, middle-class moral hygiene, which has made the word conflict a nasty word, and controversy a very nasty word, so that people are fired off of mass media for well, controversy. But, but don't you think that reason... Well, I, 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 obviously, uh, I have a stake uh, in, in, uh, in the toleration of controversy. But uh, I want to ask you this. Uh, uh, can't one achieve progress by reason? Or, or m must it be by a conflict of force? Even on the basis of reason, the moment you come up with a new idea, it promptly challenges the prevailing sacred power of the older idea, and you've got a conflict going on. I think that controversy is a matrix of everything creative that comes out of life. As Buckley continued to push Alinsky on his notoriously nasty way of doing business, which often involved innocent bystanders who had nothing to do with the issue being sucked into the dispute. Buckley tried to understand whether Alinsky believed that change could possibly be brought about some other way. Alinsky attempted to apply one of his techniques, attempting to divert the conversation and embarrass Buckley during the interview. We got, uh, we got uh, 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 Medicare in this country, and we got, as a result, of a lot of discussion. Now, uh, uh, might, mightn't uh, Alinsky uh, students have felt that you'd need to shoot a few doctors or let a few people uh, die for lack of medical attention before you'd have the kind of conflict that's necessary to midwife Medicare? And I'm asking, why Luckily, can't you I've have... I've been fascinated by your eyes in previous shows I've watched, Anna. Will you look at me and tell me whether you believe what you're saying? Well, of course, no. I, what I'm trying to do is, is extract from you uh, disbelief uh, in what people understand you to be believing. But perhaps because you, I'm, I'm terribly refreshed that you're constantly shocked that people uh, at, at quotations I throw at you of things you've well, said. I'm, not I'm delighted. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just some of the misquotations. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, uh, if, if you're saying, therefore, that conflict is what we're doing right now, then I agree with you that conflict is, is probably necessary to the changing of any point of view. But most people understand you to be saying something much more uh, Yeah, and wh sticky. What, what they're understanding is closer to it than just uh, our discussion. I don't want to. I don't want to get a yeah. take a pass on. Yeah. I'm saying very, very, unreservedly, that all progress comes as a response to a threat, and the reaction to the threat is when you get progress. I'm saying that uh, <coughs> that all actions of history have come that way. That doesn't true. necessarily have to be violence. Why, why, but that's well, not true. Note what Alinsky just stated there. Quote: It doesn't necessarily have to be violence, though. Close quote. This was the hero and exemplar of so many on the left today, including Barack Obama and Hillary Rodham Clinton. But like Alinsky, today's radicals are unapologetic about these tactics. Instead, they accuse those on the right, Tea Party members, or as mentioned earlier, the Koch brothers, of being dangerous and potentially violent. Next time... How can America deal with the Alinsky radicalism it faces today? Glenn Beck. I was just uh, just did an interview this morning on um, WJZ in um, Baltimore, and uh, they said, "So you know, what is the solution? What's the solution to our problems?" And I said, first thing, education. Education. You have to know what you're dealing with. We when we saw a community organizer step up. The left knew exactly what that meant. Yeah, we didn't. We had no we, idea. We laughed. We laughed. We laughed. We laughed. Community organizer? What is that? Right. And we soon found out. We soon found out. And the more you learn about Saul Alinsky, the more you realize he's the guy who's really ruling from the grave right now. Oh, big time. He is, this is the Trump tactic. This is the Hillary tactic. This is... Obama. We have done some of the things... Not knowing that this was because culture is all been Alinskyized. If you want to make a real change and you want to know how to defeat it, you have to know this stuff. And um, you can find that uh, serial. Uh, we'll end it tomorrow, but that serial is up at glenbeck.com slash serials, along with all the other history pieces we have. Uh, also, uh, the new book Liars is out. Thank you for making it the best-selling book in America. Uh, liars available in bookstores everywhere. It is all about progressives. It's all about history. And this book has so much history you've never, ever heard. Uh, and if it's going to be lost. It's going to be lost. Uh, liars available in bookstores everywhere. Let me give you our sponsor this half hour. It's Casper Mattress. Casper, how'd you sleep last night? Casper will guarantee you that you have a great night's sleep. Um, your mattress is uh, old, lumpy. If you have a foam mattress, probably really, really hot. Casper redesigned the mattress, and Time Magazine called it the, um, the invention of 2015. Or is it 2016? No, 2015. Um, best invention of 2015. And it is an invention. It is not just a new mattress. This is whole new, uh, beyond space age technology. And they tried to make the best mattress that would keep you cool. It would be firm enough and everyone would be able to uh, sleep on it and have the night's sleep that they need. Then they went a step further. Then they said, this will be a really expensive mattress. 
if we sell it the traditional way. So why don't we cut out the middleman? Why don't we go direct to the customer? So there is no showroom. What they've done is they've, they're sending you this mattress. You buy the mattress. You get $50 off if you use my name. Uh, they'll send it to you. And if you don't like it within 100 nights, they'll come up and pick, pick up the mattress. Now, it comes in this unbelievably small box. It's kind of this box that you're like, a king-size bed is inside this box? Uh, and you open it up and read the directions because you don't want to open it up anywhere but in the bedroom where you want the bed. Uh, because all of a sudden it just comes out and you have a mattress that in two minutes you're ready to sleep on. Uh, if you don't love it, after 100 nights, they refund every single penny. This is a revolutionary way to buy a mattress and a revolutionary mattress. Casper. Go to casper.com. Uh, offer code is Beck. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. It's casper.com. Offer code Beck. Terms and conditions do apply. It's casper.com. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck program. We have a great moment from the Olympics coming up in uh, in just a second. We were talking a little while ago, and the guys have been just doing their research ever since. Um, we were talking about uh, a guy, H.H. H. Holmes, uh, from 1893 during the Chicago World's Fair. Um, well, he started a, a, a filming a new show that is going to premiere about the mid-September on The Blaze, and you're going to love it, I think. Uh, it is called His Story. Uh, his his story, uh, and I am telling the stories of of people throughout history of of all time, and uh, it is just me in my best storytelling mode, uh, and I think you're going to love it. And one we recorded yesterday uh, is all about H. H. Holmes, the first serial killer in America, a guy who built a hotel. Um, about a, it's, I mean, it's a, like, have you seen the pictures of it yet? Yeah. It's like a city block. Yeah. And he big hotel. built this hotel specifically just for the World's Fair, just to kill people for his own pleasure um, and his own money. He would bring people in. He, he had four wives. Uh, none of them knew about each other, and uh, he would kill them. He bought a, he bought a drugstore uh, from this couple, <laughs> kind of. Um, he, before he builds the hotel, he moves to Chicago, he buys this drugstore and, um, he starts fooling around with the wife of this couple that own it. The guy leaves, thank God, smartest thing he ever did. He gets the wife pregnant who already has a child. He convinces her that I'll marry you, giving him the drugstore. I'll marry you, but you have to have an abortion first, but I'm a doctor, so I can do that. She's on the table in the drugstore. And he uh, kills her, kills the baby, kills her, then goes upstairs and kills the child. He then calls a guy who says, because he's a doctor, he says, these patients died. Here's the death certificate. Um, Go ahead and use their body for science. Go ahead, just uh, take all the flesh off. We're going to sell the skeletons. I mean, and he had another girlfriend living in the drugstore within a week. 
I mean, the guy was sick, but he did so many weird things with bodies that one of the things, and I don't think we should have done it, but one of the things he demanded, his last wish, was that he was buried in a concrete coffin so no one could ever open it up and never use his body or his skeleton for science. No way. The guy, because of him, the word psychotic was used for the first time. It's an amazing story. That show, History, begins in the middle of September, only on The Blaze TV. The Glenn Beck Program. Letter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. We have Brad Thor on. Yesterday, I think we said that he was dead to us. Well, no, no, no. No, he said, we oh, said no, he was no, on the roof. He was on the roof. His vital signs and, and he was in an he iron lung. In an iron lung. Right. <laughs> Brad Thor is a uh, is number one best-selling uh, thriller writer and he's fantastic. One of the smartest, most patriotic guys we know. And Brad, we wanted to have you on the air because we wanted I wanted to apologize. The guys want to hit you in the head with your Brad Thor hammer. Um, but uh, <laughs> Stu, Stu's like, wait a minute. That's not what I said. That's what I heard, Stu. That's what America heard. Okay. Um, anyway, but we gave you a hard time yesterday. And uh, because you wrote an article, uh, Rethinking the Never Trump Position, and we gave you a hard time because you were one of you. You were stronger than we were, and um, and we just wanted you to know that we love you. And no matter what you decide to do, we'll still be your friends, <laughs> not on the air, um, <laughs> and we won't actually talk to you anymore. But we'll say that you're our friend. <laughs> that's all that really. That's all I care. That's about. all that matters, as long as right? You just that's, say it. Yeah, yeah that's we just say it. You know, let's be kind of like you know. Kind of like politicians in Washington. We'll say one thing, but we'll do another. And, and you know, here's here's the thing. This is such an awful election. We it, talked about you a lot yesterday, Brad. It's a tremendously terrible choice we, we face, and there's no good option. And so I'm sure millions of people are going through just what you went through and when we you wrote think, the Rethinking article. We think our audience probably is more in touch with you where you're saying, I don't know, man. I, I mean, the, can- the country has cancer. Yeah. And uh, what do we do? So we think you're more in line with the audience. We don't agree with you if, if that's where you land um, because you were just rethinking it. But we want you to know that we respect you and we respect everybody else who's having this very debate in their head. Well, my work here is done. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) Listen, I am on the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross scale of grief, the five steps of grief, okay? (laughs) I have gone Mm -hmm. all the way from denial to anger, and now I'm in bargaining, and I know depression and acceptance Mm. are going to happen. Acceptance is going to happen on the morning of November 9th. We don't get a good president that morning. You know what? Hang on just a second, Brad. Can we go through that scale again? Because you're exactly right. Uh, Give me the scale. Start the scale. 
Okay, so this is the Kubler-Ross model. Yep, yep. It's the five stages of grief. It starts mm-hmm. with denial. Then you go to anger. Then you attempt to bargain with the situation. Okay, stop, 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 stop. By- wait, 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 stop. Let's go through this. First, denial. There's no way. There's no way. We have all these great candidates. There's no had way. Definitely had that. Had that one. We did. And the next we one did. was anger. I cannot believe yes. you're this stupid. Yeah, I was definitely there. Definitely there. Uh-huh. Then bargain. Um, I don't know if we ever really bargained, but we did kind of say, well, I know there was a place... There was a time where we were like, okay, but wait a minute. He might be better. He might be better. But we didn't really go down that road very long. But I, we did I bargain. hit that part. But I mean, I've certainly bargained with trying to find some way. other candidate, some other way around this. Correct. Uh, Correct. Yes, I've yes. tried that. Okay. And then what's the next step? Depression. Well, and by the way, bargaining is, dear God, if you just take this away, don't do this to me. I'll go to church mm-hmm. every Sunday. I yeah. will. We do, oh, so we did that. Mm, sure. Yeah. Okay. That's the, next, the bargain. And yeah, then the, it's followed by depression. Oh, oh, oh. Yep. Been there. Yeah, been there. Mm-hmm. Still there. And That's finally, we're out and of that. Finally, yeah. acceptance of the situation. And I'm there. I've okay. So I've gone through all the steps. I because I'm there. Yeah. Either one of these guys, the country as we know it is over. The country. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, as we know it, we survive. We've guys. Let me ask you this. Did how many of us really believed in 2011 if Barack Obama is elected to another term we may not have an election by 2016 that that he we will never be able to turn this around we've survived Barack Obama we've survived Barack Obama we will survive <sighs> <laughs> you can't even bring yourself to say it. I can't. I can't. But I've accepted that we have to move beyond this short-term thinking. We have to go back to the beginning and and hold on to those principles and teach the principles to our kids. It is more important to teach your kids there are no shortcuts because they're the ones who are going to have to battle this out. They're the ones who are going to have to deal it. And, and if we show them weakness at this point and bargain with your principles, they'll never be able to restore it. Never. So where are you, Stan, Brad? Where are you now? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, I got an email late last night from a, uh, a, a man that I highly respect, extremely intelligent, very, very patriotic. And he had been out uh, at Fort Bragg training uh, members of Delta Force. And his email said to me, he said, you know, heard the thing on Glenn, saw your tweets and everything. And he said, be clear that uh, his opinion, where he stands is, he says, between certain death and extreme danger, I will choose extreme danger every single time. I thought that was pretty powerful. Meaning, right, so which Hillary one is... is certain death and Donald okay. Trump is extreme danger. Really? I don't know that that's true, but I mean, I, think I, don't, I don't agree, agree with you either. Yeah, I don't I think that's a, don't a rational way to look at it. So, I so here's where and this is where I and I, I want to have a civil, really civil conversation and really try to get to an answer here, because I'd love for you to convince me um, differently. But you were the one I hadn't said it out loud at the time. You were the one who came to me with the evidence of, um, you know, dictatorship. He is a dictator. Yeah, the Foreign Affairs article. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're the one who came to me and said he is a 
South American dictator waiting. Now, the only way a dictator would ever be able to do anything in America is if we were in a war, check. Um, If we had uh, economic instability, that's coming, check. And if we had real strife on the streets and and, uh, uprisings, check. So if those things really get bad, a guy who has dictatorial tendencies... Um, you don't get that back without violence. Correct. And all the things you just said were predicated with if. So you're proposing a hypothetical, and I'm examining a potential hypothetical. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not saying I'm going to vote for the guy. I think he's despicable. I despise Donald Trump. I brought this whole thing up based on the Supreme Court, which is am I willing to trade away the Supreme Court, and essentially the direction of this nation, and I know we're adrift, but the Supreme Court would cement the progressives. That'd be it. It's game over. Am I willing to trade that certain death, the way my friend put it, versus extreme danger with Donald Trump? And so, you you know, Glenn, you and I have talked about this potential resets coming. Who do you want in the Oval Office? It's all hypothetical. The one thing that isn't is either Hillary or Trump will be president, come, uh, will be president-elect come the morning of November 9th. Mm -hmm. Can I I ask you this? Can I ask you this? Is it a hypothetical? Because, well, I'll just say, um, um, Bannon, the new CEO of Donald Trump, I have Mm -hmm. told, I, I made a hypothetical prediction back in February that he was angling for a position with Trump, a high level position with Trump. He is now the CEO. He runs Breitbart. He's now the CEO of of Trump's campaign. Mm -hmm. He will be in the White House. He has said to people over the last two months, and he means it. He's a guy, and you know what this means, Brad. He's a guy who uses the dark web, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. And he he does investigations and everything else using the dark web. He has said to several people, knowing that it would get back to people like me, um, I will make it my mission in life after the election in November. If he wins, I'm going to make it my mission to destroy every single person that stood against us. The Never Trump crowd. I was told the exact same thing by somebody who I know who is friendly with Steve Bannon. I was in a conversation and he said the exact same, this person said the exact same thing to me, that that had been communicated to him by Steve Bannon. So let me ask you a question. How is it a hypothetical that we're talking about a dictator? I mean, if you wipe out all the voices that have stood against you, what is the difference between that and everything we thought Barack Obama was going to do, but never stated that he would do? Again, Steve Bannon is one guy, okay? Steve Bannon is one guy. If Steve Bannon wants to carry this grudge, Steve Bannon's going to have to deal with you. He's going to have to deal with me. He's going to have to deal with Mark Levin and a whole army of us, okay? Steve Bannon's going to need to get over it. Steve Bannon, if he does help Trump win and there is a Trump presidency, Steve Bannon's going to have his so, hands full turning so the do you think, So do you think, <laughs> hang on just a second. Glenn. He hang comes on just after sec. you, he comes after me, he's going to have his hands full. Well, do you really think that Donald Trump is a live and let live? Oh, I forgive these guys kind of guy? Because no, that's exactly, and I, think he'll I mean, be he goes roasted. on for. 
he'll be roasted by the left-wing media. This is one instance where I actually think true conservatives who will still wow. oppose Trump if he does bad things as president will actually have the media on our side for once. I think I have to tell you, um, one of the reasons why Nixon was known as such a bad guy was because he had an enemies list and he was using the full force of the United States of America against these people. He was using things like the IRS against these people. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I just don't understand you, how how you. we could be saying, yeah, we're going to with a guy who is stating First of all, nationalism, populism, and socialism. He is a national socialist. He is a guy that, if you just look up the textbook of, of the textbook definition of narcissist, and uh, and what's the extreme narcissist? The uh, narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. It's, it's it, I mean, he is the. It, it, that's it. And then he and the people he surrounds himself, Corey Lewandowski, uh, all these people. Um, are the worst of the worst, and he has a long record of living every day to destroy anyone who stands in his path. How you think that's not easily going to become a dictatorship, I don't understand. Well, first, (laughs) there is always, there have always been people who have abused office. Okay, I still believe in the goodness of America. I'm I'm talking to Glenn Beck. Is this Glenn Beck? Stu, I want you to reach out and just hug him for me. This is the guy (laughs) that got Van Jones bounced from the Obama administration and got Anita Dunn bounced from the Obama administration. So, Glenn, if if Bannon starts this stuff, he's going to war with somebody who buys the ring by the barrel with you and with me and a whole bunch of people. May I just say? May I say this, Brad, and then I've got a break. May I just say this? I, I, I am the guy who got those guys bounced. I am the guy who has been on the front lines more than anybody else on this administration. I am the guy who's taken on Soros, the Tides Foundation, and everybody else. I've seen it firsthand, and I've seen what they were capable of doing. And I'm telling you, you don't win against Trump. You don't win if he has all the power. And I'm the guy who's been the closest to seeing how close we were to utter destruction. This guy takes us out. But well, you Brad, can have I, Steve, Steve Bannon, or you can have George Soros in the Oval Office with Hillary. No, 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 no. Soros, Trump is. Pat, do you Trump remember? Is, yeah, Trump has already Trump said this. Soros? Let me just play this on George. Oh, it's Soros. very, very sad. Okay. Now forget Soros. Soros. Leave him alone. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we got. He's got enough problems. Oh, oh, so he's up yeah, with that should be working out well. Um, Brad, God bless you. We'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Now, All right, guys. Um, you've heard me talking about something big coming our way and uh, worse than the Great Recession. It is, it is economic collapse. Um, and you will not, you don't understand, I don't even understand the full impact of a global reset we haven't seen anything like this in our country since the 1930s, and we were self-reliant at the time. People had farms, people had food, they canned. It was the people in the inner cities that did horribly. Well, we are the people in the inner cities all across America. Unless you have a farm, you are dependent on everything. If the 1930s come our way again, and I think this is worse than the 1930s, 
um, if, I can't even say if, when they hit again, um, you better be prepared. And I think it's coming this next um, election cycle. It's coming in the next four years. I really believe that. I want you to call um, my Patriot Supply right now. They're going to send you a four-week food supply of $99. That's over 50% off the regular price. Food lasts up to 25 years. You can easily store it in your home. Four weeks of food, only $99. That's 50% off the regular price. Prepare and save money right now. That's the best thing you do. Save money, prepare. I'd like to add a third. Educate yourself. Um, call now, 1-800-271-63, 800-271-63, or preparewithglenn.com. Limit two per caller, 800-271-63, preparewithglenn.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello and welcome. So glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Thank you. um, Thank you. You know, I have really good news. Can I give really good news? How much time do I have, Natasha? One minute, Glenn. One minute. minute, Can't give you good news in one minute. Need a little bit more time than one minute. But I've got really... Bad news? Can you give us some more bad news? I can give you bad news. I can give you five stories of bad news. Oh, that's great. No, I've got some some really good news that um, I think puts things into perspective. Uh, that um, really lifted my spirits today. And uh, we'll give that to you right after the top of the hour. Stand by for news. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. America. Welcome to the program. There's a couple of things that we've got going on for you today. We, we're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics and something that made NBC very, very uncomfortable that I think you're going to like. Also, I have really positive news. Some really good news that Stu said he just got a tweet from somebody that said they don't want to hear good news from me. Which I don't really understand. I think the, the quote was, it doesn't usually lift my spirits. <laughs> The Glenn Beck good news? Yeah. I'll let you be the judge. The Olympics and an email that I received last night. I want you to hear both of them. Good news. We do that right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck 
Mercury One just walked this letter in uh, to me. We have been we have seen absolute miracles uh, through Mercury One in the in the last year. Uh, by the way, they are taking donations now for flood victims. Uh, the floods have been just horrendous, um, uh, and we would love to have uh, help on disaster relief. If you want to uh, reach out and uh, help, you can do that at mercuryone.org. This came in to um, uh, one of the people at uh, Mercury One, uh, Ashley, and she passed it on to me. It's from Julia and Merle O'Brien. They wrote and said, um, with the anniversary of Birmingham coming up, I've been prompting, uh, prompted to give you our testimony during and since that weekend. Neither Merle nor I were Christian when we went to Birmingham. We'd been doing a lot of searching. We'd been doing a lot of reading. Uh, we had read Mere Christianity for one, but many others. But we were so moved by that weekend in Birmingham, what we experienced through Bishop Lowe, we knew we could feel God was drawing us closer to him. There was no doubt We had holes in our hearts, but we had absolutely no understanding of how to fill them. During the event and then the showing of Woodlawn, I had my first incredible encounter with God. When one of the characters in the movie said, this is what happens when God shows up, I was thrown back in my seat. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I almost fell on the floor. I did everything I could not to call attention to myself and possibly an ambulance. I couldn't stop crying. No one noticed me, though, even Merle. On our flight home, our niece, Margot, asked, So what happened? We both said, We're Christians for the first time in our life. Since then, we have joined a church, the Church of the Nazarene. It's a small church in a very depressed community, but some big things are happening in our life. God knew exactly where to put us. It was perfect. Who would have guessed that we would have been, quote, saved and found God in our mid-60s? I can't begin to tell you how different our lives are today from a year ago. But I think you all understand. We send many blessings to you, to Glenn and the dedicated staff, Julia and Merle O'Brien. It's great. That great? That is great. Really that nice. is something that would yeah. lift someone's right. Right. I would think so. It's really yeah. nice. And we and, and I wrote her back this morning, and I said, um, you know, Julia, I want you to know. So many times we have no idea um, if anything that we do makes a difference. You know, we get so bogged down in the fog of war, if you will, mm-hmm. that we have no idea because we're just sitting around in the in the room with Jeffy, quite frankly. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, you can imagine you said that out loud. Oh yeah, yeah just okay. the odds are reflex. <laughs> uh, we have no idea, and it is so uplifting to us um, to hear from people who and and quite honestly, it's been really hard for me to read Facebook. Really hard. I've I've avoided mm-hmm. Facebook. I post That's on Facebook, idea. but I am not really reading the comments mm. um, because they're just horrendous, horrendous. And I don't understand people. What do you think? You're going to change my mind? You're not going to change my mind. You're, 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 you know, especially, I mean, I have read when people start out, you're a fathead, you're a loser, you're a drunk, you're 
I'm, you're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change my mind. And I don't think you're going to change the minds of anyone on the page. Anybody who is a fan of mine who is reading that, you're not going to change their mind. So what is your point? Now, I do read people who are like, Glenn, I'm a fan of yours, and I have to understand. I don't understand. I read them, and I try to respond. And that's how you change people's minds. Not by saying you're a fathead. Right, and I, I, and I think it's fun sometimes to call people fathead. And yes. Jeffy all the time, obviously. Yes. Well, but he um, is. I mean, that's, that's, that's a medical that's diagnosis. That's legit. Um, I am fascinated by... Are you a sufferer from fathead? <laughs> From fat-headedness? Yes, Jeffy, yes. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by the tactic, however. There are tens of millions of people in, all over the ideological spectrum yes. who follow this stuff infrequently, who don't think of these things constitutionally, who look at these issues as to what might be best for them or what they think might be their opinion. Mm-hmm. Why this constant focus on the, I don't know, 2% of conservatives who are sitting here saying, look, I just can't do it. I've been looking at this guy for multiple years. We've dissected everything about it. I'm not going to vote for him. This intense focus on those people, when you have a candidate who I think legitimately, if he was able to stay on message, could probably sway a bunch of Democrats and moderates to vote for him. He's he, we always say this as conservatives. You can't out-Democrat Democrats. They're going to promise stuff, and we, we're never going to promise as much as them, so therefore, stop trying to do that. Well, Trump can promise more than them. The, Hillary is offering a $275 billion stimulus. Trump is offering to more than double it. Why are you chasing us, the people who are sitting here, who are ideologically thinking about this as constitutional conservatives, when they're so many available people that don't pay attention at all that you can swing with one soundbite. Stop focusing on us if you want to win the election. You're not going to convince people who have obsessed about this for over a year to change their mind now. Go the other way and go after people who are on the moderate side and to the left that don't give a crap about the Constitution. You can sell Don. Donald Trump has been selling himself all over the nation for a really long time successfully. Pick an audience that will buy Don and try to sell Don there. Don't sell him to us. We're never going to buy into Don. It's okay if you vote how you vote. That is all about you and your personal decision. I don't make up your mind for you. But give it up. You're never going to convince us to change our mind on this. Yeah. Well, I think it's Sololinsky tactics. I think the, this is um, the Sololinsky tactics of isolating uh, and trying to make you feel like, boy, nobody likes these people. Uh, if you're you going to speak out, if you're going to speak out, quite honestly, there are people now that will not post on Facebook because we've had emails, uh, will not post on Facebook, will not even like a post because they're afraid of all of the crap they'll get just by liking. That is Saul Alinsky. Mm-hmm. And whether they know it or not, they're using Sololinsky tactics. And just want you to know, by using Sololinsky tactics, you're, you're a tip of the hat to the first rebel, Satan. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean that's what the means. ends justify the means. You're using the tactics of Sololinsky, who believes these are the tactics of Satan. <laughs> Hello? So anyway, but... Um, 
it, it is nice to be able to hear some news. And the reason why I bring this up is because there are millions of people, millions of people that are going on with their life and they are finding truth and they are enriching their lives. That's why we are in September. We are on the show. I'm going to do news of the day on TV once a week, once a week. The rest of it is all about history because I'm not going to convince you. You're not going to convince me. That's fine. I have to concentrate on what the real power is. And we have given far too much power to, um, uh, to Washington and to these politicians. I'm interested in finding and connecting with the people who believe that we are not going to be able to solve this, that first, I have firm reliance in the protection of divine providence. Um, uh, and so I will do everything to keep my family and, and my children on the right path spiritually, and I will not compromise with darkness. Don't do it. Second thing, I've got to feed my children and feed myself the stories of history that will help me understand today. We've been talking today about the story of H.H. Holmes, which is the devil in the white city, Um, a story that we're going to have. It's the third episode of a show that we started filming and will premiere in mid-September on the Blaze TV called His Story. And um, what um, what you can get from just the open on this is in a town of... Uh, I don't remember what the... Uh, somebody look up the, the population of Chicago, 1893. It's really low. In a town uh, uh, in Chicago, in the first six months of 1893, there were 800 murders. How many murders happened in the first six months of this year, Stu, in Chicago? Can you look that up? Yeah. Look first up. six months of this year, how many murders were there? And what's the population of Chicago today? Jeffy, do you have population of Chicago, 1893? Well, Chicago proper or Chicago metropolitan area? Chicago proper. Probably two and a half million. Uh, back in 1893 or now? Maybe today. Today. Yeah, yeah, because I think it was just a little over uh, a million in 1900. Okay, 1900, it was a million. 800 murders in Chicago in, in the late 1800s, okay? In the first six months. Two and a half million people in Chicago now. What was the murder? There's uh, so far this year 445 murders. Wow. wow. Don't we look at Chicago and say the whole thing is falling apart? My gosh, we have to control guns and everything else. There were 800 murders in a town half the size, the same town of Chicago. So, I mean, we, it, it, history gives you perspective. History shows you, yes, it's really bad, but it's not like it used to be. There has been real progress that has been made. And if you don't know history and you can't have perspective on what's going on and you don't understand the greatest stories ever told, the greatest stories ever told, you know, really start with Jesus, um, but they they go throughout all of human history. And once you have a handle on that, you will get perspective and strength to be able to stand. I'm recording one today about 
the six Tokyo Roses. We only know one of them, but there were six of them. And what this woman went through and how this woman survived is a testament to the American spirit. And it is also a testament to how bad the press is, how evil and shady the press is. Play the thing from CNN uh, that they edited yesterday. Now, here's, here's a woman, when they play this audio of this woman, the sister on the street asking for peace, what she actually said was, don't burn the inner cities down. We need this stuff. Go out to the suburbs and burn that to the ground. But listen how CNN presented this. Smith's family and friends holding a vigil marked by prayers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. With his sister calling for peace. Don't bring the violence here and the ignorance here. Okay, that's all they did. Now that was a recorded piece. They knew what they were doing. That was a recorded voiceover on that where they said she was calling for peace. No, she wasn't. In that line, she said, don't burn it down here. Quote, because we need this stuff, go out to the uh, suburbs and burn that down to the ground. She was not calling for peace. Now you go to Tokyo Rose and you see nothing has changed. They did exactly the same thing to Tokyo Rose. And why did they do it? Because the progressives in government needed a good story. They needed something to rally around. First, the press needed the clicks. First, the press needed to make villains and heroes. And second, and it was too hard to understand that there were six Tokyo Roses. And second, the second time she went to prison for the same crime, it was the most expensive trial in history because they had to bribe people. They had to bully people, shut them up. And on top of that, they only did it because... The president needed good poll numbers. Nothing has changed. Now, the question is, are we going to panic? And are we going to think short term? Or are we going to think like the people who have, quite honestly, just fundamentally transformed the United States of America? You know, the Patriot Act was first submitted and drafted in 1999. Did you see the Stimulus Act that was introduced um, just before, I mean, just after the president got in, it was two and a half, it was, I think, 2,500 pages. That stimulus act had been worked on for years, years. What's happening to our world, what's happening to our country has been planned for years. And we're reacting to what's right in front of us. Firm reliance on the protection of divine providence Question with boldness even the very existence of God. Find truth with honest questioning. Then teach it to your children and hold fast to the iron rod of truth. First, this. Gold line. Interview this week with a hedge fund manager. It's Carl Icahn, so no big deal. He's a nobody. The market, the market is way overvalued at 20 times the S&P. I'll tell you why. A lot of it is a result of zero interest rates. Money is not going into capital. The S&P, they live on international earnings. That's going to hurt. 
There's going to be a day of reckoning here. I've seen it many times in my life. And when things look good, they look great. You go into the sky. But when you have to really pull down, and that's when you really have to pull down and stop buying. Another thing you're going to learn from these history shows is up until the Fed, we would go into a depression for about a year every 10 years. Everything would collapse. But that's when we were growing because it would burn the infections out. It would burn all the mistakes out and companies would collapse that should collapse. We're holding all this together with shoestrings and bubble gums exactly the way the communists used to. It leads to the Zill, which was a really bad car. You need to have something that is lasting because tough times are coming. Really tough times are coming. Please call Goldline now and see if gold or silver is right for you at one goldline They are waiting for you right now, and they're going to give you all of the straight scoop. They'll give you their important risk information. They over-serve their customer. They really like you as a customer. They love the Glenn Beck audience. Call them now, 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. We are the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Eight 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 seven two seven Beck. I am so glad that you um, are here. We have um, we have Tracy Levinson coming in in a second, and we had her on the Blaze, and we did a studio audience, and this shocked me. Um, we did a studio audience with um, who was it, Lawrence, and he brought girls in that have had sex and regretted it. I didn't think this was a big deal. <laughs> I thought in today's world, who's having sex and regretting it? It's not, I mean, it, there's no value in sex anymore. There's no, there's no sanctity of it. It's not 20 years ago. You know, certainly not 40 years ago. Um, and apparently, the next generation is very different than what the 60s generation taught us. And they are actually going the other direction and um, what the, what's happening is really low self-esteem with the, the coming generation. And there's no way to fix anything until we fix ourselves and recognize the importance of us as individuals and, and raise our self-esteem. Uh, Unashamed is the name of a new book, and Tracy is in studio with us next. To the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. 
I want to introduce you to somebody, a friend of the uh, program, uh, Tracy Levinson. And we were, I don't even remember where we were, Tracy, but we um, met each other and started having a conversation. I think we were at dinner someplace and having a conversation, didn't know you were an author, um, didn't know you were an atheist at a long time ago. And we started having a conversation about uh, how both of us, in many ways, were carrying around a lot of baggage and self-hatred for a long time. And uh, how our lives changed when we got rid of all of that stuff. You were an atheist. And like, so you were not agnostic. You were actually against God. I was. I was so against God that I would run into people that were people of faith and I would try to talk them out of their faith. Why were you, why were you like that? What had happened to you? Well, I grew up in a culture that was like that. That was the culture that I grew up in. And I always felt I was... California? (laughs) Beaumont, Texas. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I remember, actually, I thought about this last Sunday. I saw a UPS truck come by and I thought, oh, when I was a little girl, everybody was at church. And I always wondered what was wrong with my family, like that we didn't do that. Um, Because some reason I thought knowing God had to do with the building. (laughs) But eventually I came to a place where I did find faith in God. But I think what all those years when I would try to talk people out of their faith, I think it was because I felt so insecure that I I had no anchor. I will tell you, I think that's driving society a lot, especially especially in this election. People aren't sure. They're not sure. And so they want to either convince somebody who believes the opposite to make them feel self feel better, um, or they want to take somebody down because they're making them feel bad about their choice because they're not. And I don't mean the diehards on either side. I mean the average person. They don't know what to do, and so they're kind of like you, where you were taking, you were trying to take them down to make yourself feel better. Because I had no internal navigation system. Right. So that's kind of what your book is about. And your book is Unashamed. And it, it goes, reaches right to millennials. And we did a show on the network with uh, Lawrence and you. And you brought in, uh, it was a very frank show. You brought in millennial girls who had all had sex. And, uh, had, had, and because of the God part of their life, felt ashamed about it. How did that go? Well, it was interesting because we actually invited boys to come too who kind of had the same experience in this culture. What, what I find is that there's two camps. There's the Christian or, you know, it could be any religion. Yeah, religious where, camp. You know, sexuality is not seen as this gift from God um, when it's distorted. And so they, they have so much shame about even the fact that they have a sexuality. And those same kids, a lot of times when they get married, have a hard time embracing what is good and what God has set up to be good because they've associated having a sex drive as being something that's evil or bad. But then, I mean, there's the crazy part of the culture with social media where kids are hooking up and meeting each other and they're just throwing their bodies and being careless and foolish. I mean, you know, you talk about politics so much and how disregarding we are about like how many people are being killed right now and it's like there's this disregard for human life and for i think for a young girl to throw her body to a guy i mean 50 percent of young people who are having sex 50 percent will get a sexual disease and i mean talk about being frank i mean i had one in college you know i'm, I'm a statistic i'm one of those statistics where it's dangerous um so 
I wrote this book because I really care about these kids and I care about these parents trying to navigate this culture where so many kids don't really have that internal navigation system. It's a problem. You know, the, 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 the churches have become so weak um, because in many of them, they are stuck in a place to where, for instance, sex, sex is a gift from God. Right. If, if it's the way we procreate, and he's the one. It wasn't like a mistake that it feels so good. Right. You know? And he's like, right. oh, crap, I didn't make it, meet it to feel good. Right. Um, he, uh, it is a gift. But so many um, uh, philosophies will make that shameful right. when, it, as you said, it is the misuse of it. And so it doesn't compute. And so there's no way to bridge the old and the um, the culture has so rotted mm-hmm. that there's no place in between. And that's not a good place to be. Right. And that's why, you know, you came into a place where you wanted to know God. I came to a place where I wanted to know God. And I, and I love that God is love. And one of the things that I try to encourage parents to teach their kids, but I also talk to millennials about is that like in the Greek language, there's different types of love. There's yeah. agape love, which is in the best interest. So the best interest for my daughter who's in college is for not for her to throw her body around sexually outside of being in covenant. But if a guy comes up to her and he starts making out with her and he tells her he loves her, I want her to know that there's Eros love. And Eros love is erotic love. And I want her to think Eros love is amazing and go yeah. for it in your marriage. But it's not safe. And the Bible says that love protects. And I want your daughter and I want my daughter to be protected. And so I, my hope is to encourage parents and to get the message out there that you don't not have sex outside of marriage because it makes you unpure or bad. I mean, God, the whole reason we have our faith is because that God makes us good. And God, right. you know. I can wash it clean. Right. It comes from God. But, but I want them to know that God loves them so much. And that, so I would encourage them to not do those certain behaviors because I would want them to internally know that they are so loved and so precious that they would want to put that in a place where that would be safe for them. Because I wasn't safe. I mean, the things that I did, it's like, I wish that someone had helped me. Like, I wish somebody had cared about me enough to, like, speak into my life and, and try to help me navigate my sexuality. Is this, is this a special uh, uh, on the Blaze Network? Do you know where it, it's kept? Have you seen? Because I, I have not seen it. I've seen pieces, and we've talked about it in the building a lot because everybody's like, wow, was that a frank conversation? Um, and that's good. Everybody's, everybody's glad. Um, but more people need to see this and more people need to, um, uh, read this because, you know, uh, we are, uh, frank in our household. I'm frank with my son. My son, uh, you know, uh, has been on the internet and seen some things that were horrifying to him. Horrifying. I mean, it's not like it used to be when we were growing up. And you can get into snuff films before you even know it. And it's just twisting uh, our children and tying them up in knots and they don't know what to do. It reminds me of what's going on politically of, of our borders and things coming in, getting closer and closer. And I feel like the Internet has done that. You know, our son, my son struggled for a season with porn and he wanted me to talk about it in the book. And like so your kids helped you write this. How oh, old are yeah. your kids? 
They're in college. They're in college. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's actually real questions from real millennials. I took, I have interviewed young men. Like, there's a lot of, um, because we wrestle, what we're doing is we're wrestling through all these questions that they're having. But, like, if you, with your son, like, if he's searching one in five mobile searches. He's not searching. No, he's not not doing it now. But But he will. One in five is for porn. So, like, what would keep someone from not doing that? Because there's a rule. Rules either lead to rebellion or depression. Right. Well, this, yeah, this comes to a lot of times we talk about how the government is involved in things. And, you know, the idea, there is certainly a place for government in many aspects of our life. The Constitution outlines it pretty well. But the idea that you're going to be able to control things like this with legislation and rules no. it never seems to be true. You have to win those people by their hearts and their minds and their spirits. Right. That's the only way you're going to be able to control that when you're in the you're you're an apartment uh, by yourself and you've got Jeffy's website. You you want kids to not know the rules that, oh, my dad used to always say this because you want them if you can. Sometimes they don't have the maturity and you just have to have the rule. But you want them to understand why the rule is there and know that it is based in love and really understand it at their level uh, that that it, it may be appropriate later, it may not be appropriate. It may be appropriate here, but not here. And why? Otherwise, they just rebel. That's what I did. Or they're depressed. Yeah. And suppressed and depressed. Yes. Yes. And then when they make a mistake, they, they can go very, very dark or they can, you know. I heard a stat on girls cutting themselves that is remarkable. How many girls? I have a friend of mine who's millennial, and he said, most of the girls I have dated will bring up that at some point they were or they are cutting themselves. And I'm like, that is crazy. That is pain. How did, one last question. How did you, what was the turning point for you? In my faith? Yeah. I was holding my daughter, and she was a baby, And I literally looked down at her and I thought, there must be a greater love. I felt like there was a greater love that I didn't have access to. And so I kind of didn't drop my daughter, but I threw my hands in the air in my heart and was like, okay, God, if you're real, will you please show me? And then just a series of events, you know, all I did was ask and Mm -hmm. all these cool things happened. And And now you're a teacher at a church. And now I'm a teacher and I um, mentor girls. That's amazing. Okay, the name of the book is Unashamed. It's available online or anywhere books are sold. Candid conversation about dating, love, nakedness, and faith. If you have girls, you have boys, you have kids, I highly recommend, especially, we didn't learn this stuff. That We didn't have the frank conversations, at least in my house, uh, that you need to have with your kids now. Unashamed by Tracy Levinson and friends, and uh, it's available everywhere. Before, we, before you go, do you cover in the book, is, is it true that the only real way to make sure the young kids, uh, teenagers especially, stay away from sex is Jeffy? Yes. So the, that, that's in the book? Yes. Okay. In the book. Wow. Absolutely. Okay, good. Hey, I'm here to help. <laughs> you just show them a picture. Kids, you might find pictures of this guy it naked online. Yeah. <laughs> Kids cancel the internet. Turn their phones in. It's crazy. A lot of Amish communities suddenly popping up everywhere. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much. Now this. Uh, it's been six years that I've been sharing stories with you about Liberty Safes. The company is truly, truly amazing. Um, they built the factories, uh, they built safes in their one factory. 
since they joined us six years ago, they have built, I think, two new factories. They're building 500 safes a day right here in America. Every single day, 500 safes. They're the number one safe in America for a reason. They are tough. If you've gone to their website, you'll see them blow them up. You'll see them put dynamite all the way around the door trying to get them to open. They drop them from 200 feet. Uh, They drop the competitor's safe on a Liberty safe, and the competitor's safe crushes on top of the Liberty safe. You should see what happens when they drop the Liberty on the competitor. Um, You would find that, um, and it's really worth just screwing off and looking at it, libertysafe.com. Um, but um, the, uh, uh, the, the main thing is you have to know is your stuff is protected. You can buy a Liberty Safe now at libertysafe.com or you can find Liberty Safes at your nearest Cabela's store. The Cabela branded safes are made by Liberty. Cabela's safes, some of the hottest selling safes right now, all made by Liberty Safe. Now through August 24th, Cabela's is offering the signature Fat Boy Safe, which is coincidentally the exact, I'm not kidding and making this up, this is the safe that Jeffy has, an amazing $400 off the already low price at Cabela's. Plus, if you buy the fat boy before August 24th, you don't see any pictures of Jeffy. <laughs> Cabela will also throw in a free handgun vault. Fat boy and the handgun vault. Cabela's safes by Liberty. Best safes money can buy. Visit at Cabela's or LibertySafe.com now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, last night on with Bill O'Reilly, I like him so much. I don't know why, because I disagree with so much of what he says. Um, uh, and, uh, and he disagrees with me. I mean, he never, have you noticed his pattern? He never sees the problem coming. And I shan't say he doesn't see it. He never wants to predict a problem coming. He only deals with it when it's right in front of your face. And he said that to you before. Yeah, he said, well, he said it last night. You play a little bit of this last night. I really like him for some reason. I really like him. He's funny and nice. I don't think that's ever been said before about Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I get the point that if Mr. Trump is going to campaign on a rigged election theory, it creates cynicism. I get it. Yes. But that's really a very minor part of his presentation, is it not? Aren't you nitpicking him? No. <laughs> no, did you see who? Did you see who he just made the CEO of his campaign? One of the one of the dirtiest, nastiest human well, we beings alive. We just talked about that. Um, but he needs somebody to go up against Podesta and Media Matters and George Soros. Come on, you know you know the other side. You know what's um, playing. I the do other know side. the other side, yeah. and I, I and I do know the other side. Except the problem is, you have tape of Donald Trump actually saying, "Don't worry about George Soros. He's a very nice guy. He gets a bad rap." Come on. You saw he what we did a, last night with Soros, he, right? He is a, what? What did he do last okay. night? Okay, we laid out the hacked emails about what he really wants to do, how he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. uh, tracking people like <clears throat> Cliff May and Liz Cheney. You know, that he's a real, real bad hombre. And yeah. by the way, the de- uh, which is what we told uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly ago. Six, six years ago. Six, seven, seven years, years ago. ago. And he didn't and, buy? Yeah, he didn't buy it. And that's why I say, 
Wow. He he and and he has told me off the air. He's like, Glenn, I can see those things coming. I, I those you might be right, but you may not be right. And I'm like, I know, but you report the facts. I report what the facts put together look like if we continue to go down a road. Just connecting dots. Just connecting you dots. You won't connect yeah. any. Right. And he said to me about, he said to me about, uh, uh, what's his, Paul Manafort last night. I said, you know, he's, he's um, possibly going to go to jail for what he did uh, in, in um, the Ukraine. He, he might go to jail for what he did. And he said, you're buying all the propaganda against him. You can't condemn him. And if you keep saying things like that, you might go to jail. For what? That's what I said. Isn't that a problem? <laughs> yeah, I Bill? would. I mean, what happened to the First so. Amendment that right. you can talk about a public right. figure and say, look, if he did these things, there are people saying that he's going to jail. But that's what Donald Trump is trying to do, is trying to say... Silence people. You can't talk about it or you go to jail. I was surprised to hear it from Bill O'Reilly last night. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.